Welcome to the John Harrison Podcast. Do you realize that 70% of people are disengaged at work? I don't think it's an overstatement to call that a tragedy, actually, because it affects the bottom lines of organizations, certainly, but it has a negative impact on all the people that work there, and their families, and the community at large. Nobody's talking about this. Well, on this podcast, we are going to talk about it. So welcome back to the John Harrison Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about one of our nine expectations. So when we are doing leadership training, employee training, we we go through a series of nine expectations broken out by VIP, values informed and passionate. And it's really kind of the heart of what we believe leaders need to understand and employees, same thing. So one of those nine expectations is called know your people. And I right away always tell people, oh, know your people. Well, I'm not supposed to be best friends with all the people that work for me. And it, it and it, that's why it's not called be best friends with all your people. But know your people means folks are different. And we, we think of the things that are on the surface. We think race and age and gender, things like that. But my, my lead into this is always, I'll ask the audience, does anybody have more than one biological child here or siblings? And they raise their hands because most of the team raise, people raise their hands and I'll go, are your kids different? And they always go, oh my God, oh, they're so different. I'm like, okay, so same genetics same DNA, same rules in the house. And you'll go, my son is so different than my daughter or whatever. So that means of course, that your people at work are gonna be even dramatically more different than that because they've been raised differently, et cetera. So that's what we're gonna talk about today, the value of that, knowing that as a leader. So I've got my good friend Obataya with me today and I couldn't think of anyone better to have this discussion with. So just, if you could just start off, kind of tell us your story and how you got here and, and that, that I, our audience will be blessed by that, I know. Thank you, thank you, John. Thank you for having me today. I mean, it's been a wonderful and interesting journey, you know. I'm, I'm originally from in West Africa. It's a very small country in the Western Gulf of Africa. There is the, to the west of Nigeria. Okay. Used to be about nine and a half million people in 2012 when I left. And I think it's reaching about 11 million people today, wow. you know, and, you know, grow, growing up, it was, it was a, a kind of different experience from what I, what I encountered here. Sure. And very briefly, you know, when I came to the U.S., I attended Henderson State University in 2012. How, know, how did you get to Henderson State? Well, that's, that's an interesting story. <laughs> you know, it was, it was a friend that I went to school with back home. We went to college together and I had lost touch with him. Mm -hmm. And one day he came back home on vacation, not knowing that he had been in the U.S. Okay. And we met on campus for an event and he said, well, I've been in the U.S. If you're interested, you should come. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been in Arkansas. Arkadelphia, Arkansas. There's some wonderful people there. They drink something called sweet tea. You should, you should come, you know. And, and now, let me just say something, because I grew up near Chicago. I had never known about sweet tea either. So, right. so, so even in America, I was the same as you. Yeah, commonality there. Yeah. So long story short, I ended up giving him my papers and application, you know, and, and it, it, it had kind of been a dream of mine. Mm -hmm. to, to attend the United States, to come to the United States and live here. And that's been a talk that I've been having with my dad, you know, continuing education. Okay. And I think to put things in context, I feel like I need to talk about three key events. Okay, you know? of course. No, no, number one, you know, it's, it's my dad, 
you know, waking me up at 5 a.m. in the morning, mm -hmm. you know, telling me no man sleeps past, past 5 a.m. <laughs> I mean, and it was waking you up like with spanking. Not softly. Not softly. <laughs> you know, you need to be up. You need to be doing something, cleaning the house. Did you, you know, have siblings? I did have siblings, okay. but I was the oldest. Okay. So he, he used me as an example <laughs> to teach this lesson to my siblings. Okay. You, know, you have to be out walking the dogs, watering the plants, and getting up. You know, at the time, I didn't really get an appreciation for it mm -hmm. because I hated it. Of course. And I borderline hated him, too, of for course. doing that to me. You know, but... In 2012, actually in 13, after I had been here for a year, and he came to visit, we both sat down and we cried. Mm -hmm. Because I told him that, thank you for the discipline, for waking me up at 5 a.m. Because yeah. now this is what has helped me, you know, that discipline, yeah. to be prepared, to be waking up early, to study and learn the English language. Because mm -hmm. when I came here, I spoke French. And passed the tour fell in six months, you know, with the highest score they had ever seen at Anderson State University, which was humbling, but also a good, good accomplishment. Of course. So we sat down and we cried. You know, the, the second event that I would like to talk about is a field trip that we took in my country to a village, you know, where people didn't have access to clean water. Mm -hmm. At the time I had, I was studying civil engineering because the plan was to work with my father who was an architect at the time. Okay. I would be the engineer working with him. We would open a firm together, you know, and, and on that field trip, being so close to where we live, because we lived in Kotonou, the capital of a country, you know, seeing that people did not have access to clean water. How, how far was that from your from your town? About 30, 30, 35 miles, mm -hmm. you know. Dramatic difference. Dramatic difference, you know. Close, far, but still close, <laughs> you know. Of course. And, and the, the people in the village, they had built a dam to retain rainwater. Mm -hmm. And that was their source of water. And it was a field trip we visited there. And at once, at one end of the, the pond, that's what I call it because yes. that's basically what it is. It was almost green water. Mm. There were some women washing their clothes in the water. And on the other side of the pond, I see a gentleman with a bottle. He sticks the bottle in the water and drinks it. Mm. And that was so shocking to me. Of course. And when I got home, I told my dad, uh, I don't think we'll follow through with the civil engineering plan. I need to switch to water resources engineering. Wow. and learn how we can bring access to clean water to these people. Basic, basic human need. Basic human needs. You know, and thereafter, the third event, which is key to what led me to come in here in the United States as well, along with the story of my friend that I told yes. you earlier, you know, is my research advisor when I was finishing my engineering degree back home. He's the one who mentioned North Carolina State University. Okay and all the good research that people were doing, the professors were doing at NC State. So I had that in the back of my mind, and that was the only graduate school I applied for, too. Okay. And I was accepted. It was an exhilarating day. Yes. You know, and I went through there in 2014 is when I started. 
and completed my student's degree in 2016 over there. Wonderful. You know, so, and along, along the way, I met my wife at uh, Henderson State University six months after I moved here. Okay. And we now have two wonderful children, Sam, who's six years old, and Ruby Claire, who's three years old. So, you know, some of you are listening to that story going, well, my story is not as interesting as that story, because that's a pretty amazing story. But, but I think, you know, when, when my wife and I, went, when we go to a restaurant, sometimes the, the waiter or waitress will say, are you, are you from Arkansas? And I'll go, no, we moved here in 2009. Or eight, and they'll say from where? And I'll say Tokyo. And they'll go Tokyo. Right. Oh, you must have been in the military. I go no, not the military. And they might say missionary. And and but in a, in about a minute, they kind of hear our story, and they'll ask if we have kids and all this. And then do you still work at Caterpillar? No, I left, and because I had this calling to go help people. So and usually the waiter or waitress, I'll say, well, what's your story? And they'll go, well, it's not as interesting as that. And I'll go, what do you mean? Well, my family's lived in central Arkansas for 150 years. I go, well, that's an interesting story. So really everyone has, you know, an interesting story, I think. And now as a leader, you, you know, people sometimes feel reluctant to find out, you know, inside information, so to speak, about their employees. And I, and I will say that sometimes I've had supervisors say, well, there's a person that works on my team and he doesn't want to talk about anything personal ever. Okay, then don't don't force that. Don't put them in an uncomfortable position. But most people, as you get to know them, like just someone hearing your story, I've got a hundred follow-up questions for you about your story. But I, you know that's not the purpose of today. But so you you recently took on a new leadership position, new team of people. So how did you get to know them? And what, what was the value for you in getting to know them? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. You know, and, and, and like you said, people are stories. Mm. Ultimately, at the core of our being, we are stories. Because our, our experiences, our stories, are what have shaped our perception of life. That's right. Because that's all it is. It is our perception of life. You yeah. know, no, right. no one knows enough to be a pessimist. That's right. You know, but but going back to my team, you know, it's it's about let's say fully staffed. We're almost ninety people, so that's that's a lot of people to get to know. <laughs> that's you right. Know? But my my leadership style ultimately can be summarized in this: it's firm but flexible. Okay. You know, because firm because there are guardrails. We were hired to do a job. There are performance, performance guardrails. Expectations. Expectations, clear expectations. But within those guardrails, we also have to be flexible because we are talking about human beings, mm -hmm. you know, and, and not, not machinery, not, not machinery. Mm -hmm. and, and mistakes are going to happen because ultimately humans may not be the mistake, but mistakes are human. Mm. Mistakes are human. That's right. So that's that's one thing I keep in the back of my head when when dealing with with my team, and you know it's it's talking to them, listening to them, because you know when you become a leader, I think the fear that that I had, you know, it may not have been a, a fear that I voiced openly, mm -hmm. but it's are you adequate enough for this role? Mm. You know how will I appear to my team? 
but at some point I had to put that voice that keep that kept telling me that thing aside and listen. Yes. Be- because that group of people, you know, I had worked with them in the past because that's actually where I started mm. at the utility where I worked. I, I started on the field, which is another whole story, another <laughs> experience, you sure. know, working on sewer lines and holes, you know, things I had, I had no idea of ever existed. Yeah. So that kind of gave me a, an opportunity to bond with those guys. Sure. And learn what they do, learn who they are, you know, learn learn what makes them tick. Yes. What are they passionate about? Frustrations, passion. Frustrate them, you know. Sure. And and I kind of took that and held on to that. And now that I'm in this leadership role where I'm now, you know, leading them, that that guides the decisions that, that we make as as we try to navigate those difficult and Difficult decisions that inevitably happen. That's right. You know, I've been in the role for 10 months. And, you know, there are, I have three direct reports, mm-hmm. you know, and I deal with them on a daily basis. I deal with everybody else occasionally. Sure. But through these guys knowing what their strengths are, you know, I, I know I have one one person who's, a, who's what, what you can call a worker bee. Mm-hmm. You know, he gets things done. Yes. He's not about the fluff. <laughs> you know? Yes. He gets things done. Yeah, He's very focused. Deadlines, deadlines yeah. you know. And and that's a strength mm-hmm. that I have to be mindful of when I try to approach him with assignments, you know. I know he will get it done. He'll mm-hmm. he'll take the ball to the end zone for me. You know. That's right. And and knowing their families, you know, I, I think that's another thing that uh we we don't usually focus on because people are their families you know the the connections that they have with the families the parents the children the siblings all those shape who those people are and one one thing that we focus on at work is of course safety yes you know you come to work in one piece i want you to go home in one piece why because there's the picture of your family People are waiting. There are the people that matter the most. That's right. That's why you come here. Yeah, I've always thought about that, uh, Obataya, because you can, you can hang banners up that say, we want zero injuries or whatever. And we actually at the Caterpillar plant here, we had a whole wall <clears throat> that said basically why I'm why I want to be safe, something like that. Right. And people brought in pictures. Right. And it would be their parents or their kids or their dogs or their every I mean, like they were like, these are people relying on me. To come home safe. Right. So yeah, I love that. So so even even your three direct reports are different. Yes. Different strengths, different how they process information, how they embrace change. How, and and I think the point of that is, and I used to hear this at Caterpillar, the phrase "my way" or "the highway," and it sounds nice. It's you know it's quick and it rhymes and it's kind of a cute little sentence. But it, it doesn't work because in effect, what it's saying is, I need you all to think like me, again, right. embrace change like me, really have my same experiences. And, or even simpler than that, just be me. If you can just be a mini version of me, this is going to go so smoothly. Well, that, that's 100% impossible. Yeah. And, and just if I had never met you before today, and when you just told me your story, I can already think of things that 
that I know might appeal to you or I might be able to help motivate you. Uh, there could be other things that I think that you may not have had experience in this. So maybe that's not the right way for me to come to you. And and I understand some people listening to this today that say, well, I, I don't want to do that. That seems too much work to really get to know people like that. <clears throat> and I always say, even going through all of our nine expectations, if, if people don't want to do those, that doesn't mean they're bad people. Right. But they might be in the wrong job. Right. Because if you think you can just put a goal up on the wall and expect people to get it, it's never going to happen. It's, it's going to be a struggle. Yeah, I think, I think as a leader, you have to get to, uh, at least myself, in my experience, I've, I've worked on getting to a point where I can rely on, on my team mm. because I know their strengths, you know. And I've, I, I pride myself on fighting to create an environment where things can be said. Yes. You know, there, there is... There is a, a, what's that expression? Check your emotions at the door yes. before you come to, to work. Mm -hmm. But what, what that expression tends to put aside and forget is that people are emotions. Of course. Things happen and we react to them. That's why I love the term that you coined, which is peeling back the onion. Mm -hmm. You know, we are layers upon layers right. of, emotion, of, of emotions, of intricacies. Yes. And, and if you don't know, if you don't listen, if you don't pay attention to those different details, you will miss out on a lot of opportunity. Because the reason why I love leadership so much is because it's rewarding. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when, when you sit back and see all the things that you learn and, 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 and the input that you get, that I get from my people, it's, it's the most rewarding thing ever that I've, that I've done so far. And it goes beyond work. Of course. Because I say we, we, each of us is a leader in our own right. You yeah. know, we lead our lives to specific <clears throat> destinations based on the choices that yeah. we make. But we also lead our teams if we are fortunate enough to be yeah. in a leadership role. And you've got people leading families. And, right. Yes. And, and I, yes, I love that check your emotions at the door because that sounds cute to say that. Yeah. And, and again, people might think in the extreme, well, I've got a person there just all day long. It's about their emotion. Okay. Well, that's different. Right. We need to deal with them that if they're overly emotional, but to think that people don't bring that, like I, I, the phrase, I don't talk about, I don't bring my home life to work with me. I've heard people say that the, the correct phrase they should say is I don't talk about my home life at work. They are bringing it with them. It's right here in their chest all day long. Or people say, I don't take my work home with me. Probably the better statement is I don't talk about work when I go home. Yeah. And I physically might not, not take work home and, and work on it at night. But any frustration, stress, you know, deadlines, <clears throat> you had a difficult conversation with somebody, you're bringing that home. Yeah. Even if you don't talk about it. Yeah. I think I, I have a, a recent example talking about emotions that I've dealt with at work. And it was on the tail end of a disciplinary action that we had to go through mm -hmm. with a few employees. Okay, and as you can imagine, those brought out some very strong <laughs> negative emotions. Of course. You know, and, and ultimately, one of these employees, as a result, ended up making a comment, you know, that, that was borderline, not you would want to say. Of course. You know. 
and inappropriate. Inappropriate, yes. you know. And, you know, I, I talked to his direct supervisor, who's my report, about it, because he made the comment to me, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I said, well, I think we, we probably need to sit down and talk to him and, and tell him, you know, here, here's our perception of what you are saying. Yes. You know, I don't know how much details I can go <laughs> but, but making sure it was clear, like, that he, the person understood when you said this, right. this is how we received it. Right. This is how we are taking it. Right. Yes. You know, I, and, and, and I told him, I understand your frustration. I understand the bitterness that you may be feeling from this decision that came down. Mm -hmm. But you have to recognize that, number one, you made a choice that led to this decision. You let some team members in that choice, That's and good. that decision applied to all of them. But if you need a screen box in my office, I'll give it to you. Mm -hmm. And you can yell, you can scream, you can let it out. Safe place. Safe place. But ultimately, this bitterness that you are hanging on to is not good for you. Mm. Yeah, you not, not good for their physical it's, health, it's, emotional health, family, everything. And you're taking that home. Yes. You know. That's right. And and I want you to come to work and realize that we have your back. We'll work with you. You know, and, and what I'm trying to do there is create that trust relationship. You bet. Be, because you, we talked about connection. Yes. If I don't trust you, I'm not going to follow you. Of course. You know, and, and it's important, despite all the difficulties that come through, all the difficult situations that we deal with, that people know that I have their backs, that they can trust me to make what's the right decision. They may not be happy about it, you know. Well, it's like, it's like you talked about your dad. At the time, you could go, this guy is being unreasonable. Right. That I get up at five in the morning and I don't like it. Right. I don't like this, that, or that. I mean, but, but later, you had a different perspective. Because over time, you saw your dad, and this is how I felt about my parents. We got discipline in our house, but we also got a lot of love. Right. And, and I think I tell leaders all the time, you, first of all, you may have people joining your team who only got half of that equation. So you can't even as a leader say, well, when I was a child or my house, well, they, maybe they only got love in their house and they were told they were awesome and men we have your back and you know, your mom and dad just think you're fantastic and material things, but no discipline. Well, that's going to be a difficulty when they get into the workplace. Maybe they only got discipline and maybe they, that discipline included extreme physical discipline and no love. And again, I might have supervisors, managers say, well, it, I, it's not my job to be these people's parents. I can't help what happened to them when they were young. I agree. Absolutely. But here's your chance, like you said, with boundaries and with performance expectations, that maybe that conversation you have with that person might change their life. And I totally get it when people say, I don't want to do these things. But I think you're missing it. If, if you don't, I get not wanting to do it. But if you have chosen to be a supervisor or a manager and you say, I don't want to know my people and I just want to write them up and hope that things get better, I think you're missing it. And, and that's that's what I love like that. People might also say, well, I don't have time for those conversations because I'm busy. But a but a 15 minute conversation might save you 15 hours. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah as, a, as a leader, my job is people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we, I say, because if there were no people, I wouldn't be a leader. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know? 
Yeah, we, we have a, in our sessions, we talk about, we do a little discussion about Chick-fil-A and, and the owner and founder of Chick-fil-A who has since passed away. But he said, we're not in the chicken business, we're in the people business. Right. Well, that's true for every business generally. And we spend usually the least amount of time on it. Most people don't get trained on how to deal with people. So in our sessions, we try to talk about these nine expectations are all centered around people. Some of it's how to have difficult conversations with people. We don't learn that in college. We don't, we don't go to difficult conversation class. I didn't. We, you know, just understanding human emotions. Even one of the things we do under Know Your People, that, that right now, of course, it's very trendy to talk about generations. Well, the millennials, they're clearly, you know, pain in the butt, blah, blah. Uh, and the baby boomers and the Jedi. We don't subscribe to that, really. We, we talk about people's upbringing, which you just did, instead of just the year they were born. What was their upbringing like? Um, societal things that happened to people. People have been, my parents went through World War II and Korea, and it could be, could be genocide in a country, right? In Rwanda. I mean, don't tell me that's not going to affect people. It can be COVID. It can be these societal things. Um, so we, we try to go about that a different way too, because I think it's too simple to say a person was born this year and that's how they act. Because there's people, and you just talked about it, people that grew up in your country at a 30 miles away, they could have been the exact same age as you. And they went, well, no, they're going to act the same because they're both 20 years old. And they, they grew up 30 miles apart. They'll be exactly the same. And you're like, it couldn't have been any more different. Their, their view is different. Yes. Their perspective is different. Their experience is different. You know, and, and uh, that's, that's kind of the, I think, the, the lesson that I try to keep in the back of my head. Because there are the folks that I work with, they have things that make them tick. You know, I have a lot of people who like fishing, who mm-hmm. like the outdoors, being outdoors, you know, and and those those people, you, you have to realize what, what are those strengths. You know, I, some of those guys don't like office jobs. Of course. You know, they'd, so be, they'd be miserable. They'd be miserable. You could pay them $20,000 more a year and they'd be miserable. Right. So those are the things that we have to be aware of. That's you right. Know, when when we, we try to know what our team is strong in and what, where, where they can fit in the organization. That's right. Well, Obatayo, I could, I could talk to you for eight hours, but I don't know if our listeners would hang on that long. But I'm telling you, um, you know how I feel about you as a person, as a leader, and thanks for sharing your personal story with us, but also just as a, as a leader of a new team, like some of the things you've been through. So like always, this is a, a quick view of kind of some of the things we do, but um, if any of you have questions on things that we've talked about today you, you know how to reach us if if anybody who are new leaders or managers and you want to talk to obatayo we can get you his information too but but thanks for sharing with us today um i hope i know uh what you've said has helped some people out there today so i appreciate that but uh stay tuned for future episodes of this um we we just try to be from the real world and just talk about real life stuff here so We hope it's helping you. If you have comments, questions, ideas for future episodes, let us know that too. But um, it's an honor to be reaching all of you people today like this. But again, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me, John. I appreciate it very much. And thanks for everything you're doing. You bet. The world is a better place with you here. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening today. 
If you have any questions or thoughts about today's episode or even ideas for your future episode, you can contact us through our website at johnharrisonvip.com or follow us on any of our social media platforms.